I'm Mark Peterson, and this is the FEMA Podcast. The Atlantic hurricane season is generally considered to last from June 1st to November 30th. That's not to say that tropical systems can't develop outside of that time frame, but this is generally the time with the most activity. FEMA is constantly planning for and learning from the types of storms we see during this time of year. In fact, just last year, 2017, was the busiest hurricane season for the U.S. in terms of landfall and impact. And today, we continue to be very actively involved in the recovery of those storms in Puerto Rico, Texas, and Florida. When storms begin to develop anywhere in the Atlantic, FEMA depends on the expertise of our partners throughout the government to get ready for the storm well before the storm becomes a major story in the national media. All of this work begins with NOAA's National Hurricane Center. As systems begin to give clues that they might form into the more severe storm systems like hurricanes, FEMA, the whole of the federal government, including the White House, all depend on the considerable expertise of the Hurricane Center's team of meteorologists to give guidance on the forecast of the storm, assist in understanding the confidence in that forecast, and then to assist in evacuation decisions made by emergency managers. The Hurricane Center is with FEMA every step of the way through preparations and response. They are one of FEMA's closest partners. On this episode of the FEMA podcast, I met up with NOAA's National Hurricane Center director, Ken Graham, in Montgomery, Alabama. We met up during the annual Hurricane Awareness Tour and discussed some of the things that the Hurricane Center has learned from 2017 and how the center is working to provide better information to save lives and property. All right, so the National Hurricane Center is a major, major partner for FEMA, and your team is integral to the planning that we do and the planning that our emergency management partners do uh, in the lead up to a storm and then actually even into the response phase of the storm. So, Director Graham, thank you so much for joining the FEMA podcast. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for doing this. So, Director Graham, you're, you're pretty new to this role at the National Hurricane Center. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, the Weather Service, about 24 years, and before that, television. But in this role, a month, and I've been on the road for a month. So, yeah, brand new to the position and super excited, real humbled at the same time. And I imagine being the director of the National Hurricane Center, uh, certainly during the hurricane season itself, the pace of work has to just be very, very intense. So what drew you to this role? You know, it's interesting for us. You know, people think we're probably busiest from June 1st to November 30th, which is the season. But, you know, for us, preparedness is all year long. And, and part of it's a, events where you go talk to the public. But there's a big role for the, the Hurricane Center in teaching. We work with FEMA all the time to teach some of the courses uh, to emergency managers. So we're on the road all year, you know, getting people ready for the next hurricane. Sure. And uh, I, I think... I think people, especially along the coast, they're very accustomed to listening to local forecast and they're probably very used to their local meteorologists on their local station. So what role does the Hurricane Center play in forecasting hurricanes and then feeding maybe those those forecasts and then also supporting the federal government? You know, it's, an, it's interesting when you look at the whole big picture of this. So, you know, there's the whole science part. So there's the science of you know, modeling and, and collecting the data with uh, the hurricane hunters and getting that data into the modeling. And it's it, it, the, and part of it is also, you know, really looking at the, the preparedness part. So, you know, all the science in the world's fine. A perfect forecast is fine, but if it's not interpreted and understood, it doesn't do any good. So the other part of it is it's the preparedness part with the public. And, and the part that a lot of people don't see 
is the part with uh, the emergency manager. So it's the federal government, it's the state government, but also right down to the county and parish. So yeah, it's I, the briefings. It's the we call it um, you know impact-based decision support. I mean that it's it's all about that final decision. And one thing I'm not sure everybody realizes evacuations or, or where where government is uh, going to put uh, sheltering and everything. There's science behind all that. So it's the it's the forecast and it's the translation of that science into something that's actionable. That's the whole game. And, and that's what not everybody sees. You know, you mentioned the education. You bring emergency managers and local officials to the Hurricane Center, right? Yeah, we have several courses. The emergency officials, first responders, and emergency managers come to the Hurricane Center, and we put them through a week course. And, and, and if you think about it, 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 it's it's critical to understand the science and also all of our products well before the next storm. Because when you do that, you'll understand what the products are actually saying, and it helps to make that decision. So they kind of leave as sort of like an amateur meteorologist? Yeah, it's part of it, absolutely. But, you know, we have products called, you know, potential tropical cyclone. You know, right? you, have, you have products like that. So what does that mean? Or, you know, what, is a, what does a hurricane watch mean? How far out in time? What does a hurricane warning mean? So, I mean, it, it's teaching the, the, the nomenclature. It's teaching what these products mean. Uh, you know, we teach things like... You know, what does a, you know, potential inundation map mean? Why is it called potential? So we actually go through it and talk about why that is. So I, I read that the 2017, the forecasts were 25% more accurate than average. So what, what do you attribute that to? And there's, there's a couple of things to think here. So we need to, first of all, understand that you know, the bigger the storm, the stronger the storm, the models have a better fix on the storm. So a lot of times when you get stronger storms, the forecast will actually be better. So we need to really be, um, we need to say, hey, we did a great job. It's, it's great to have such improvement in the forecasting. And, and what a huge difference going back decade by decade that, that the science has uh, come so far and been able to get so much better with that forecast. But what we have to realize, if you have a developing storm, uh, a weak storm, then the forecast is going to be a little tougher. So it just depends on the season. Do you find that storms in different locations of the Atlantic are more difficult to predict? I mean, if they're in the Caribbean, are they more difficult than, say, you know, out further into the Atlantic? Or? I, I think it really has to do with how strong it is. I, I think, you know, it's interesting when you see a developing storm and we hear the models are all over the place. Well, and, and that is the case, because if there's not a center yet, the models don't know where to have that fix on the hurricane. You're not really sure what's going to steer it. Uh, a strong storm may go one direction, and a weak storm may go another direction. That's that's reality of the, the physics, physics of the atmosphere. So as a result, you know, weaker storms are, are tougher for us. So, I mean, I think you're going to see some variability in that forecast. And, and then the other part of it is in the intensity. So we made huge progress with, with the track forecasting, and it's not by not, so to speak, when it mm -hmm. comes to the intensity. Intensity is still challenging for us. Uh, do you... Do you feel that there's a number of misconceptions with those forecasts, uh, you know, that you're battling with the public? Or, I mean, or do you feel like people have become more accustomed to the forecasts? I, I think they're accustomed to it. I think, I think what we have to remember, we're, we're kind of a little bit of a victim of our own success. Because, you know, if you look at the cone, the cone is a, is a cone of error. So the better we do, it, you know, it really looks at the error of the last five years. So if you have five years of good forecasting, your cone gets smaller. If you have a couple bad years, guess what? The, the cone may get a little bigger. Mm. So what we've done is the cone's getting smaller, which is a good thing because fewer people evacuated and you know fewer people are thinking they, they need to leave. But the reality is the smaller the cone, the more impacts are outside the cone. So now we have a communication challenge to say, you know, you have impacts outside that cone even hundreds of miles away from where that cone is. So I think what we're seeing is the science is getting better, but I think we're, we're seeing that communication 
is still an area that, that we need to focus because it's all about those impacts. So you, you mentioned the science getting better. Are there new tools that uh, the public can expect this year uh, that maybe we didn't have in 2017 leading into 2018? Yeah, 2017 was the big test for you know, the, the, you look at the storm surge watch and warning, that was the big test there. And the potential tropical cyclone product, it, it doesn't sound like much, right? But if you're an emergency manager sitting in a county or a parish, that product gives them 18 to 24 hours lead time that they wouldn't have had in previous seasons. Because wow. you can actually start issuing the products, watches and warnings before development. Wow. So, and it happened in, in, in Cindy, in Louisiana, where there was actually an additional 18 hours of lead time because of that product. That's priceless for an emergency manager. Yeah, that's really remarkable. And you mentioned storm surge in there. Um, I, I think the public generally understands the Saffir-Simpson scale, right, uh, when we're talking about wind speed, right? Exactly. Okay, good. <laughs> so um, how do you get the public to understand the potential for storm surge in the same way that they understand that scale? And, and it's, it's such a huge point because you know, we start in our messaging and our outreach, we're starting to talk about, you know, it really isn't necessarily about the, the category. It really, truly is about those impacts. And, and we see it. I, I can think of hurricanes where there's examples where you have, uh, you know, Wilma that, you know, you have uh, Charlie and different examples of that. Charlie was a small storm, so wind was the big threat. You go back to Hurricane Isaac, just a category one. Very difficult to get people to prepare because it was, quote, just a category one. The problem. Isaac was larger in geography than Katrina. Isaac was very slow, and as a result, the storm surge was 12 foot from a Cat 1, and you had torrential rainfall. There was more water in Lake Pontchartrain from Isaac than Katrina. These are the stats. This is the science behind it. It isn't necessarily about that category. It truly is about those impacts, and that's why we now have the storm surge watch and warning. Why? 50% of fatalities in a tropical system is from the storm surge. 25% is actually from the inland rain, and if you add up the offshore fatalities, 90% of fatalities in tropical systems is water. Mm. We have to talk about water. Every, every podcast, every interview, everywhere we go in our training and education, we've got to continue to talk about water and have more conversations about the dangers of water. You know, and, and those, uh, you're kind of hitting on some of the water issues along the coast, but we've seen... We've seen some hurricanes, like I'm thinking Irene and Harvey, where we saw massive rainfall further inland. So is the Hurricane Center also uh, sort of communicating the preparedness that needs to take place further inland? Yeah, it's a, it's a big point because you look at the inland flooding, you know, 25% of the fatalities. Here's a stat. I, I got to go far back to, to talk about it. But if you look at Hurricane Camille, very historic uh, hurricane, there were more fatalities inland than on the coast. It's a Cat 5. And I assume that's attributed to river surging. Absolutely. And, uh, well inland, okay. all, all the way across the, the eastern part of the United States. So there's all sorts of proof that that's been a danger for a long time. So, yeah, we're, we're looking at it. And I think we got some new products and in an incredibly increased partnership with our Weather Prediction Center um, that, that issues those, those you know, quantitative precipitation forecasts. And basically what that is is how much rain am I going to get? So they create the maps of how much rain. You saw that in Charlie with the bullseyes uh, of all the rainfall. So we're talking back and forth. We're going to put their products on our website. We're, we're doing a lot internally behind the scenes to be uh, better messaging this stuff together and be able to collaborate better to be able to get the information out. Because every stat I've ever seen, a collaborated similar message saves lives. And, and that's why you've seen local offices across this country, the Weather Service Forecast Offices, that we have something called an integrated warning team. We bring federal, state, local in a room with media. 
We bring them in a room. Everybody puts their cell phone aside. No tweeting allowed. No, uh, nothing. Everything in that room stays in that room. And we talk issues. We talk about communication challenges and how that benefits. And we've seen the benefit in a lot of areas. We communicate the same message. That saves lives. We have to be together. Yeah, I'd really be remiss when you're talking about partnerships. The National uh, Hurricane Center also has a partnership internationally, right? That, that has been striking. You know, after getting this job, I've been traveling ever since I got the job, by the way. And, and several have been international trips. And we have this hurricane awareness tour that we're on now. And we have, we've had the stops in the United States. But two weeks ago, we had the international stops. We went to Mexico, Panama, Jamaica, and, you know, the territory with Puerto Rico. I mean, to go all these different places, we're responsible at the Hurricane Center for those watches and warnings and those forecasts. And it was fascinating to me to go meet the you know, people there that have the same issues we do. It's about the water. They have challenges with the heavy rain and the, the landslides and the flooding. But the kids are the same. We have kids here today. You can hear them in the background. Mm -hmm. They're visiting the plane. They're all excited. They're the same in Mexico. They're the same in Panama. They were the same in all the other locations. And, and, and that international responsibility has been, has been pretty amazing. This is stop number nine okay. uh, for us. And, and I think really looking back at that and this one, they're all so similar. All the excited kids, all the people. And it was amazing that the countries are dealing with the same problems. A hurricane really doesn't need a visa to travel countries. They don't have international borders. These hurricanes go wherever they want to. So we have common challenges. And to be at the Hurricane Center, to be able to, to talk to internationally and, and domestic about these same problems is amazing. Uh, let's talk a little bit about this tour, because this is a really remarkable event. I mean, we're bringing the Hurricane Hunters here, uh, who is, uh, who, there's two teams. There's the Air Force team, and then there's the NOAA team. So tell me about the Hurricane Hunters and how they feed into the prediction models that you make. Yeah, you know, it's, it's two different planes. So the, the Hurricane Hunters with the Air Force, they're the ones that fly at 10,000 feet right through the hurricane, right through the eye. And, and they give us all sorts of data about the storm in the storm. Uh, the NOAA team, is, it's amazing. They, they go above the storm, around the storm. They look at the, the really the, the data around it. What's going to steer the storm? What's the environment? All those, the collection of data goes into the, the models. And, and it, look, the more the better data you can get in a model, the better the model. Simple as that. Good in, good out. So the better the accuracy we have in the models, the better job we can do with the forecast. Sure. Um, Administrator Brock Long of uh, FEMA has set forth, forth a couple of priorities. And, and the most striking one, I think, uh, is, the, is instilling a culture of preparedness in the nation. And so this tour is part of that. But what other tools does the Hurricane Center have to help people get prepared and, and sort of foster that culture of preparedness? And that's what's so amazing with, with NOAA and all the aspects of NOAA. And, you know, we're talking buoys, we're talking satellite, we're talking Hurricane Center. We're so tight with FEMA and, and we're such a great partnership with FEMA. And, and we're right aligned with that. And, and some of the tools that we have is the best job that we can do to help that is make sure people have information. And, and some of the preparedness we talk about this week, and I've been really open with some of the interviews this week when people are asking, you know, you got to have a plan, you got to have a plan. Well, I'm not sure everybody knows how to, how to do that. So I think step one, we've been backing up one step and saying, what is your risk? I mean, it, it, it starts with what I've done for my own family. You need to walk around your house. Are there any big trees that could hit my house? Am I near a creek, a bayou, a river? Am I in a low area that typically floods? Those are the type of things people need to do a risk analysis and then start looking at their plan based on that. So we're, we're you know, the Hurricane Center, we're so dedicated to make sure that we give the right, you know, a good forecast, of course, and, and be able to do those briefings for FEMA and all the way down to, you know, the local parish or city, local county to have that information to make those big decisions. Because if you think about it, it's all about that big decision and there's science behind it. So we want to provide that science. Yeah. 
Um, so hurricane season, June 1st, is uh, right around the corner. What do people along the coast need to know now? Uh, and what are you, what's the main message for them? So here, here in Montgomery at the, today, I look up and the sky and it's blue, just as blue as you can be. It's nice and warm. Now's the time to plan. I mean, it, you know, if, if there's a hurricane in the Gulf, headed for the Gulf Coast, you know, it's too stressful. It's too late. You know, you, you can do the planning if you want to and you need to. You have to because you got to know where to go. And if you're in an evacuation zone, knowing all that. But it's so difficult to do that when, when, you know, the hurricane's headed for you. So you need to do it now. You need to start talking about that risk analysis and that planning uh, well ahead of time. And the indirect fatalities has to be a conversation as well. <clears throat> we look at indirect fatalities with a hurricane, and uh, the number one reason is cardiac arrest. It's stress. It's stress of not having a plan. It's stress of where do I get fuel? Where do I go and if I'm evacuated? Listen to those local official, officials, and that's when you, you need to evacuate if they tell you to. But you got to have a plan. Where are you going to go on the other end? So it's, it's after the fact as well. So I think it's plan now and be prepared. There's all sorts of information out there. Um, you know, you look at the websites from anywhere from FEMA's to ours to the Red Cross. I mean, there's just so much information out there. Get it now. Understand the risk and, and be ready. Director Graham, we wish you much luck in, um, in your new role, and thank you so much for sitting down with us. Uh, thank you for taking the time to do this. This is helpful, and uh, we just appreciate the partnership with FEMA. Thank you. We've linked to this episode on our FEMA Facebook page, and we invite you to join the conversation in the comments. If you have ideas for a future topic, send us an email at fema-podcast at fema.dhs.gov. If you would like to learn more about this episode or other topics, visit fema.gov slash podcast.